the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Everything that is not aligned with God is otherwise crooked. The only way we can be vertically true is to align ourselves with the plumb line. And God is saying through the prophet Amos, I am the plumb line. I am the standard by which all things must be measured, by which everything must be aligned in order to understand what is vertically true. Many people believe that the Bible is not relevant for today's culture. They will even try to persuade you that they are the moral standard in our world, not God. Are you willing to live your life according to God's standards? Or is your preference to follow your own desires? Regardless of how people in the world define right and wrong, Pastor Gary will remind you in today's message that you need to follow God's standard and not your own. Are you aligned with what God says is right and wrong? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Amos as he continues his message, Vertically True in a Crooked World. Now, let me give you a few clues as to what is not the objective moral standard. First of all, government. Government is not the objective moral standard. Secondly, another clue, culture. In terms of what the most popular opinion is and the majority of belief is, that does not define an objective moral standard. And last clue, you, I, are not an objective moral standard. The answer to the question, at least insofar as, if you really believe God and believe the Bible, if you are a follower of Christ, the only clear answer to that question, who or what, is the only objective moral standard, is God. God is. Not government, not culture, not any single one of us. This is the very thing that God was wanting through the prophet Amos, Israel to understand. That their idea of an objective moral standard was not right. Because they had made themselves their own objective moral standard and not God. And God comes along and says, no, 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 no. We got to get on the same page about what is evil and what is good. 
And, and so long as you all are defining for yourselves what is evil and good, you have no hope of being saved. If, however, you get to the place where you seek good and not evil, where, where you hate evil and love good, if you get there on the same page with me, then there's hope for you. Otherwise, there's not. So in chapter 7, if you'll turn your Bibles to chapter 7, here's what God says to kind of get them in that direction, to help them get on the same page with Him. In chapter 7, I'll read verses 1 through 9. Here's what, here's what Amos writes. Thus, the Lord God showed me. Behold, He formed locust swarms at the beginning of the late crop. Indeed, it was the late crop after the king's mowings. And so it was when they had finished eating the grass of the land, that I said, O Lord God, forgive, I pray, O that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So, verse 3, the Lord relented. Concerning this, it shall not be, said the Lord. Thus, verse 4, the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord God called for conflict by fire, and it consumed the great deep and devoured the territory. And then I said... O Lord God, cease, I pray, O that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So, verse 6, the Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be, said the Lord God. Verse 7, thus he showed me. Behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. And then the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass by them any more. The high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise with the sword against the house of Jeroboam. All right, pause there, your attention. That last part sounds a little doom and gloom, but he's actually inserting some mercy there. Otherwise, he says, if they don't respond, there's no hope for them, and I'm going to bring the sword against the household of Jeroboam. But in this passage I just read with you, God shows Amos three visions. The first two are visions about impending judgment. The last one is a vision about undeserving mercy. So if you'll notice in your Bibles, look again at what we just read there. In verse 1, he says, thus the Lord showed me. In verse 4, thus the Lord God showed me. In verse 7, thus he showed me. So these are three indications of three different visions that God shows Amos. And the first one, starting in verse 1, is about impending judgment that may come in the form of locusts. Now, we talked about this when we were in the book of Joel. One of the ways that God got the attention of his people was through a plague of locusts. It was spelled out in the book of Deuteronomy that uh, when God's people were in disobedience to him, one method he used was to bring a swarm of locusts to destroy the agriculture. It would affect them economically in every way. It was, it was a wake-up call. And God shows Amos in advance, I'm going to send a swarm of locusts. And in the first vision, when Amos gets this, in verse uh, 2, he cries out to God and asks for mercy. And he, and he says, oh, Lord God, forgive, I pray, oh, that Jacob may stand for you small. And he says, please, you know, don't do this to your own people. Don't bring the swarm of locusts. And so it tells us in verse 3, God relented, which is a statement of his mercy. God did not bring the intended consequence upon his own people. Why? Because Amos stood in the gap. He interceded. He prayed. He asked God for mercy. Please don't bring this upon your people. And so God relented. Second vision, not of locusts. The second vision that starts in verse 4 is about fire. 
God says, I'm going to bring fire upon the land. It's going to destroy. It's going to devastate the land. And again, Amos, in reaction to this second vision, he cries out in verse 5. He says, oh, Lord God, cease, I pray. Oh, that Jacob may stand for he is small. He says, please don't do this. Please, Lord, in your mercy, I pray, cease from bringing this calamity. And verse 6, again, the Lord relented. And he did not bring the disaster upon the people that he had intended. A man stood in the gap and interceded and prayed. Don't underestimate your prayer before God. And how the Lord may, in fact, respond to your prayers and give mercy where otherwise there would have been consequences. This is what happens here. And then God gives Amos this third vision, starting in verse 7, where there's this vision of the Lord standing on a wall, and the wall was made with a plumb line. And the Lord says to Amos in the vision, what do you see here? What do you see me holding here? And Amos says, a plumb line. And God says, exactly. He says uh, there in the the middle of verse 8, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. In other words, I'm not going to overlook their sins anymore. I am setting in their midst a plumb line. So uh, this is what builders and masons use when they are trying to make sure that a wall that they are building is vertically true. It's just just a plummet, a weight at the end of a string. You've seen this, I'm sure. And so it is hung so that then masons or builders can make sure as they're constructing, let's say, for example, like a brick wall, that they are lining it up with the plumb line so that it is vertically true. Without this standard, you, you can't just eyeball it and, and make sure that something is straight. After a while, if it's just slightly off and you continue in that direction, it's going to be way off when you finish building the wall. And so builders and masons use something like this, a plumb line. And, and it just, it's a weight that dangles at the end of a string so that then everything can be measured and aligned with the plumb line to make sure that it is straight. This is what God is saying. He's saying to Amos, listen, I am inserting myself in the culture to remind my people that I am the plumb line and that they must decide that their lives will be measured against me, that their values will be aligned with mine, that they will understand what is right and what is wrong because they look at the plumb line. They understand who I am and what my standard is because otherwise it's going to be crooked. Everything that is not aligned with God is otherwise crooked. The only way we can be vertically true is to align ourselves with the plumb line. And God is saying through the prophet Amos, I am the plumb line. I am the standard by which all things must be measured, by which everything must be aligned in order to understand what is vertically true. And he says basically here that if the people would measure and align their lives according to his standard, they would be the recipients of his mercy. And that if they were willing to call evil what God called evil, and if they would call good what God called good, 
then they would be vertically true. Otherwise, they're crooked. They're crooked. This goes for us today. This speaks to our own generation. You know, people who say, well, the Bible is just, you know, a, a bunch of old stories. It really has no, you know, application for our lives today. I'm like, and you, you're not reading the same book I'm reading from. Because what was true in the 8th century B.C. is still true for us today. God is the perfect standard by which all things must be measured and aligned in order to be vertically true. The sad reality is, however, that our culture wants to persuade you that God is not the objective moral standard. Man is. And that man determines what is right and what is wrong. Which is why everything presently in our culture, from gender identity to the definition of marriage to laws pertaining to the unborn, have all been rewritten to suit the standard of man. It was not always so. Our own founding document, the Declaration of Independence, stated that the very basis for common law in America was derived from, quoting now, the laws of nature and nature's God. Now that phrase is not some poetic prose. That's actually a legal term that was lifted from the Blackstone Commentaries of Law, which was the basis for law in England and in America. And in Blackstone's Commentaries on Law, in Volume 1, Section 2, that phrase, the laws of nature and nature's God, is defined as, quote, the will of God for his creation as revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures, end quote. In other words, our founding fathers, when they adopted William Blackstone's commentary on law and his definition about the basis for common law in our country being the laws of nature and nature's God defined as the will of God for his creation as revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures. It means that our founding fathers believed that God and the Bible served to be the plumb line for our nation and our nation's laws. That was the original intent. But unfortunately, in recent years, we have seen a swift erosion of that principle. And thus, our culture is not vertically true. And this is not unique to our own generation. Every generation from the beginning of time has tried to determine and define right and wrong apart from God. Because man's basic instinct is to have man at the center of his world. And so man thinks that he can best define and determine what is right and what is wrong. And every generation that has tried to do that, apart from God, does so at its own peril. We see it time and again, and our generation is no different. And that's why the Bible describes, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's why the Bible defines every generation that has tried to define right and wrong apart from God as being the objective moral standard as a crooked generation. That's actually the word that is used in Scripture in both the ancient Hebrew and Greek, Old Testament, New Testament. I'm going to give you a couple of verses. 
This is how our culture is defined. This is how every generation has been defined by God. Whenever a generation tries to define right and wrong apart from him being the perfect plumb line as a crooked generation. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 to 5. You can just listen as I read. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Okay, so Moses is speaking there about how God's the plumb line, perfect standard, right and wrong. And then he adds, speaking about his own generation in Deuteronomy 32 verse 5, they have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. And here's what Philippians 2 says, verses 14 to 16. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life. In other words, From this passage here in Philippians 2, God says that in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation, I want you to be vertically true to me. I want you to measure your lives by me as the plumb line. That's what he's saying to us. Regardless of how the world might define right and wrong, every generation since the beginning of time trying to do life without aligning itself with God is crooked. That might be so. But he says to us, I want you to be vertically true in a crooked generation. And he says it starts here with you and I being blameless and harmless are the two words used here in the passage. Blameless meaning not perfect, but without accusation. Living a life in such a way that we don't give in to the crooked ways of our generation. See, in order for us to really effectively shine in a crooked generation, we must first examine our own hearts to make sure there's nothing crooked in our own lives. So he says, I want you to be blameless without accusation, and I want you to be harmless. Now, other translations, ESV use the word innocent instead of harmless. The NIV uses the word pure instead of harmless, but you get the idea. God is calling us to a different standard, and he says, if you are a follower of mine, I want you to align yourselves with me. God is saying, I am the perfect standard. I am to be the plumb line of your life, so I want you to live blameless and harmless lives in a crooked and perverse generation, as you shine the light, as you are an example of Jesus, and as you hold on to the word of life, which is scripture, as you align your lives with the plumb line of God and his word, I want you to be witnesses in this crooked generation of Jesus. This is what he's saying to us here in Philippians chapter two. So it's both a warning and a calling. The warning is we live in a crooked generation. It's no different from every other generation. We live in a crooked generation. Don't be crooked with it. Live your lives in a way that are blameless and harmless, honorable before God, a witness and an example in this generation. And then the calling is as you shine forth Christ to be vertically true to God, to be examples in our generation. Listen, friends, don't give in to the philosophy of this age or the customs of this culture whenever it does not align with God as the standard. We have to be wise about these things. 
The Bible warns us. Let me read from Colossians 2, verse 8. Colossians 2, 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. He says, you know, listen, there's, there's the chance, and this is the warning there in Colossians 2, 8, there's the chance of being taken captive, of having our minds being held hostage to the philosophy of this world, to the mindset of this world, to the ideals and values of this culture. And Paul writes there in Colossians 2, 8, he says, don't let that happen. Don't, don't be taken captive by the philosophy and the traditions of this world, rather than on the basic principles of Christ. Guard your hearts against it. Watch out for the things that are being taught and the things that are being espoused in our own day. Romans 12, 2. Paul says a similar thing in Romans 12, 2. Listen to what he says. Be not conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And he starts out there in Romans 12, 2 by saying, listen, there's, there's a world mindset. There's a pattern of this world. Do not be conformed to it any longer. Be transformed. We have to have a new mind, a new way of thinking, new values, new belief system. So that, he adds, you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Probably the number one question I often get from people is, Pastor, Pastor G, will you pray for me to know God's will for my life? Okay, we all want to know God's will, right? We all, you know, we all want to make sure that we're in step with what God wants for our lives. The problem is, not as many are as willing to do what it takes in order to discern the will of God, because in Romans 12, 2, what I just read there, in order to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will, we have to first no longer be conformed to the pattern of this world. How do we think that we're going to be able to discern the will of God if we are still living according to the pattern of this world? So that's, that's something we have to understand. Be not conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern of this world. There's an ideal of this world. There are values of this world. There are principles of this world. And the Bible calls us to live according to God's standard. So I revisit the question I asked earlier. Who or what is the objective moral standard of your life? Is God the plumb line of your life? Does he determine, are you aligned with what God says is right? What God says is wrong? Are you willing to live that way? Are you willing to surrender your life to the standard of God in terms of the way that you behave and think and some of the things you do and the way you speak and the way you interact and the way you treat your spouse, the way you raise your kids, the way you manage money? Everything about our lives must align with the standard of God. Is He the plumb line of your life? And by the way, when Christ returns, everything that is presently crooked about our culture will be made straight. Because Isaiah the prophet tells us when Christ returns, He'll make the crooked places straight again. I close with the words of Isaiah the prophet from chapter 40, verses 4 and 5. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth, 
The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been teaching through the last several books of the Old Testament, also known as the Minor Prophets. These short books are powerful and reveal so much about your Creator and His love for the world. If you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us, please contact us. You can reach us by calling 703-771-1500. Again, that number is 703-771-1500. You can also listen to more teachings in this series by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or just download our mobile app. That way you'll have biblical messages available to listen to whenever you want, wherever you are. Pastor Gary also has a companion resource available for this Minor Prophets series. You'll find it under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to meet you, too. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg. We're meeting in person as well as online, and you can find out more on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in to Study the Minor Prophets. And we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know